Are you in search of a podcast that pokes you lightly with the truth about everything relating to your health, your well-being, and general lifestyle habits? I am happy to tell you that you just found the right one. This is Health and Jara, a weekly podcast that deals with topics ranging from health and wellness to everyday lifestyle issues. New episodes drop on Sundays. And welcome to another episode of Health and Jara. By now, I know it is your favorite podcast and you like to come back to listen, which I very much appreciate. So yeah, thank you so much for coming back today. And most importantly, for bringing somebody along with you, because I know you have shared this link with someone. So again, thank you. This is Health and Jara. That is for you who is just listening for the first time. And you have missed about 11 episodes in this season, which is season two. From season one, you have missed about 50 episodes. So you're welcome to go back to the links to listen to all of the things that you have missed because they are very vital information. So again, welcome. My name is Oluwashin Lushegum. Now, April, which we're getting into, is the month of autism awareness. In case you didn't know that, you're welcome. That's one of the things you get to learn when you listen to Health and Jara. So April is the month for autism awareness and to do that to celebrate it or maybe to increase the awareness yes i have a guest with me today because the topic of conversation is autism spectrum disorder and my guest is somebody who i know to be i think she's one of the most passionate disability inclusion advocates that i know she's a public health practitioner and she's really really passionate about uh, making people understand a lot of things about this disorder and a lot about more disabilities that people have thought are limiting which are not limiting so definitely we will be getting into that conversation today and we'll be enlightening you so that you can tell somebody to tell somebody and maybe make the world a better place ladies and gentlemen i am talking about none other than priska chika onwegu hello thank you for joining me today <laughs> hi thank you for having me Absolutely. It's It's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a background, ladies and gentlemen, to those who are listening to this podcast. It's been very difficult to get this woman to record this episode because one thing or the other from network issues, from time clashes. But finally, we are doing this and I am happy. (laughs) Okay, so let's get right into it. First, let us understand what autism spectrum disorder is because a lot of people just call it autism. But then on a closer look, I realized that it is a spectrum and saying it's a spectrum means there are other things on that spectrum. So what exactly is autism spectrum disorder? Okay, um, so autism spectrum disorder, let me just call it autism first, then we'll get to why it is a spectrum and all mm-hmm. that. So basically autism is, um, in a layman's term, just the way you should understand it is, autism is a different brain wiring. Mm-hmm. That's the simplest definition for it. So the more scientific definition is that autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder that affects the normal function of the brain. And it affects the brain, this normal function in three different domains of um, development. The social domain, the behavioral domain, and the communication domain. 
So we know that every child, everyone has a milestone from childhood to death. There's a developmental milestone. So, you know, a child from zero um, to three months should do this and that. A child from three to six months should do this. Those are developmental milestones. But a child with autism gets to a point where he's not um, developing as a typical child should develop. And that's because of the different brain wiring. That's why I said autism is basically a different brain wiring. And it's manifests in three domains again, like I said, the social, the communication, and behavioral domain. So when we say social domain, what are they? Okay, so um, why it is a spectrum? I said I was going to come to that. Why autism is a spectrum is because, first of all, you can't, no two child with autism is the same. So mm. you see two children that have autism and then you see different um, symptoms. They are manifesting their, or they are showing um, different symptoms. That's because no two child with autism is the same. So I said already that they, they can manifest in three um, different domains. However, not every child shows um, symptoms of autism in those three domains of development. A child can be, um, maybe can have a deficit in just the social domain and be um, fully communicative and then the behavioral domain has no issues also. I will get to the symptoms of the, the behavioral, social and communicative domain so that we understand what they are. So, and a child can manifest in all those domains. So again, no two child with autism is the same as well as a spectrum. So where we have the high functioning autistic child or high functioning autism, we also have the low functioning autism. Okay, so what do we see? Um, I want to talk about the social domain. What are the deficits that we see? We see a child who lacks eye contact, doesn't want to look at people, cannot talk to people in the face or look them in the face. From childhood, you begin to see that the child is not with an eye contact. That's one thing you first notice. So, you know, when you're socializing, you're speaking with someone, you should try to look at the person in the eyes and talk to them. But yes. a child with autism finds it difficult to do this. And then you see that he's having difficulty in expressing himself. Perhaps he's trying to say something, maybe he's excited and his facial expression is saying something else. Mm. So they, they are keeping a straight look. And you're wondering, what exactly are you saying? Are you excited about this? But he can't tell you, well, deep within him, he knows that he's excited, but he's, he's, he can't tell you that he is because his face is showing something else. Which may just be just a straight face and he's saying, oh, I like this. And uh, okay, <laughs> you're not showing that you like it. So that's one thing you can um, see again. Then um, some of them have issues understanding gestures. So they don't, they take the words, your, your words the way they are. You can't, you can't use riddles from, for some children with autism. Actually, they've not gone through intervention. You can't do what? they would not take it. You can't um you can't give them redos or you can't talk with them using redos. So you have to use plain words. Oh. So because some of them find it difficult to understand complex languages, complex terms, gestures and all that. So it has to be as plain as possible. Hmm. Of course, any intervention actually is key. So we'll get to all that. I'm just trying to say the symptoms and the signs and all of that. And again, you know, I've been using the word some. So it's not a general thing. Let's also hold them, take the fact that it is a spectrum, so you can't expect to see the same symptom in every child with autism. But these are things you would see, you would notice that are not, that are varying from the norm that will make you mm -hmm. okay. You want to take the child to see a pediatrician and all that. And then socializing again, you know, as a child, you want to play with people, but you see this child playing alone with himself, has a single toy he's attached to and does not want to leave that toy. When the toy is taken away from him, he begins to throw tantrums or has a meltdown or something. Then you know that he has social issues. Then communications. So communication is difficult in um, 
spoken language. Some of them actually, the high functioning autistic child has, um, can speak very well. They have mm. good words. They can make use of their words perfectly. While under one might not even have speech at all. Some have limited speech, some echo. So when, when, when I say echo, I mean that um, whatever you say is what they repeat. They don't have their own words. So you're saying what that you should say. Can you hear me? Yeah, you you said something about they don't have their own words. Yes, those are the ones with limited speech or those who have echolalia. So it's called echolalia. Yeah, echoing the words they have are the words of others. Mm. She's saying, what is your name? And the child also says, what is your name? Cannot, doesn't know that. What is your name? Is I'm asking you for your name, actually. Even if you say, I'm asking you for your name, the child also says, I'm asking you for your name. Wow. Like, no, don't say this. The child also says, no, don't say this. So that's echolalia. So that child does not have his own word. He, he repeats whatever you say. Of, but of course, with interventions, they begin to pick words. We we'll get to that also. So um, when you see a child having, it might be a symptom of autism. Again, the other conditions that are related to autism but may not be autism, and that is why when a child begins to show these symptoms and signs, it's good to take the child to a pediatrician and a, a pediatrician that knows about developmental um, disorders actually. So then. Yeah. Um, yeah this is this is you know i have really never heard about autism broken down like this and all i am thinking about is with all that you have mentioned and explained that it is very no two child is the same and it is different because it is a spectrum all i can think about is personalized care and most importantly parents have to be attentive and have to be really uh conscious or sensitive of the signs because these things are they can be quite disturbing because I can't imagine how a parent will feel when your child keeps repeating the same thing. At some point, you might even think that they are pranking you. You know, kids yes. can be quite mischievous and then they keep doing it. And all of a sudden, you realize that this thing is not going away. Uh-huh. But and I'm, some don't even talk. talk. Some can't even talk. The only way they can tell you they want something is by crying or by shouting or by wounding themselves. That's, it brings us to behavioral issues. Some of them, when they can't get what they want and they want to really communicate, they want you to get them. So they exhibit mm-hmm. some behavioral issues. You see them throwing tantrums or jumping or having meltdowns, screaming and all that. And you're trying to understand what exactly is wrong. But this child cannot tell you what is wrong. They feel you should understand them. Or you, you are words apart. You're trying to also understand what they need and all that. So they exhibit those behavioral issues. And uh, then behavioral issues can also come um, when sensitivity is also another issue. So some of them are either hypersensitive to things or undersensitive to it. So mm. like um, touch, some, like, some may not want to be touched at all. Yeah. Some want you to always touch them, touch their hair, touch their hands. They want you to always touch them. Some, mm. when, when they see bright lights, they begin to scream and they want you what yes. happened. So you take them to You know what that just reminds happened. me of? Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. There was just like a light bulb moment in my head. You remember the movie Joyful Noise where yes. Queen Latifah, you know, she was a mother and then she had that boy who was always wearing shades. That just, who was autistic, I remember. Well, I don't know if it was autism now or Asperger's. Asperger's is high-functioning. Yeah, Asperger's is high-functioning autism. Ah, interesting. This is, this is quite interesting. So now this is the curious question. How does this thing happen? 
Okay, so um, there's actually no known cause for autism yet. It's not known. Wow. However, what is been linked to genetics and you know um, environmental factors? We don't even know the environmental factors. You can't pinpoint the particular environmental factor that caused it. But then genetics in that if a sibling has autism, there's a high chance that maybe if you have two or three children, you might have. We've had uh, cases where everyone in the family, uh, all the children have autism or mm. perhaps um, the first son and the last one has autism. So that's why I say it's genetic. And there's a high chance that if there's already one person with autism in the family, there's a high chance that the other person, another person might um, have autism. So, but the exact cause is not known yet. Some have linked it to um, birth issues, maybe problems during prenatal issues or um, during birth and all that. But then no one can really figure out what exactly causes autism. So just maybe a, a brain impaction. That's why during birth, so many things have happened that just impacted the brain. So that's why when they want to do um, um, cons- the as- the assessments and all that, they ask the parents, okay, what happened during birth? Was there a prolonged labor? That's like one question they ask the mom because they will say, no, I had, I didn't force it during pregnancy and all that. So okay, during labor, what happened? Was there a prolonged labor? You know, mm-hmm. when something is prolonged can affect the child's brain. So, yeah. Some of them don't even have what some of them might be cerebral palsy or something else. So different things can happen at birth. Mm. And those are environmental factors that are beyond your own control. But then no one can actually say this is the exact thing that is autism. So you, uh, you, with what you just said now, all I can think about is you know there are some people who insist on vagina birth because they don't want to they want to do the Hebrew women <laughs> delivery when they're supposed to go for uh-huh. CS and because of that they yeah, and then they're stressing the baby exactly. So I am very sure people so. like that are part of the causes definitely because there are a lot of people who are so so insistent on it especially those who are quite religious about it and they tell you ah in jesus name we will not have cs as if it is a it is uh but i wonder if they still don't go for cs because it seems like cs is like the main thing now is this is the thing in vogue now for women that's enlightened women that's for enlightened women who don't want to go yeah. through pain, which in actually that is counterproductive because the pain of yeah. CS actually comes later. But th- that's for people who have an idea, but people who don't, who are quite ignorant. And when I say ignorant, some of them are educated, yet they just refuse to be uh, enlightened about it. They they feel, you know, CS wants anything surgery. You should know that Africans are very averse to surgery. Yes. You hear that surgery are... Uh, they will cut you up. No, in Jesus' name, I reject it. Casting and binding all the generational gods so and all that. <laughs> but anyways, you know, you already mentioned that no child, no two child is the same. Because I was going to ask you if there was a sort of prevalence in some symptoms that you have noticed in children from your work in this field. Are there some particular ones or like those most common? Well, ones? Are they the high functioning ones or the echo or something? <laughs> Again, just that when we see all these things, you just okay begin to know that something is up. But again, one thing I always tell people, you can't see a child and say this child has autism. Like someone, mm-hmm. I, I will give an example to me. Someone told me that he went to orphanage home, they had a visit, and then 50% of them had autism. I was like, ah, ah, God now. <laughs> How do you diagnose? How do you know that them had autism? Even I can't diagnose because I'm not a pediatrician. Again, I'm always saying it because even when we do assessments, when during, during assessments, you have a psychologist, you have an occupational therapist, you have 
a behavioral therapist, you have a nutritionist, you have an audiologist come do assessments. But then end result, the person that gives the final diagnosis hmm. is a pediatrician. Wow. So not even anybody. So someone like me who has been a therapist for children with autism cannot say, I saw this child, even if he's manifesting all the symptoms, I will not tell the parent that he has autism. I only say, okay, can you do more assessments? And until the pediatrician now is the final verdict, you can say, okay, yes, so he has autism and can commence therapy. So people hmm. <laughs> don't know these things. They just feel that, okay, ah, I heard that they said it's not looking at people's eyes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that means he has autism. Or this child is just uh, jumping up and down and all that. Or it's climbing. Someone actually can climb to the portal. <laughs> just hmm. keep climbing and all that. And they say, ah, like if your child has autism. No, no, no. That's not <laughs> the implication. So some children actually don't have, and they show these things. No children can actually be hyperactive. So it's actually very yeah. difficult to to know these things because some, some children are just 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 so active and they just want they just want to play and all that. It's not that they have autism, but then mm. when it's becoming disturbing and they're not beginning to get some things right, you begin to see that okay, I think my child is just good to go for a checkup and, and all that early. And so again, you can't know a child has autism until he's about two years old because that's when they begin to develop all the social um, communication and all that. So you can't really notice some signs in them until they are two. So within two and three years, you can begin to say, okay, I want to go for a checkup. I want to see if my child is, okay, doing, can do things normally like every other child or is it, am I just being worried? Because some children actually just have um, delayed development. It's not like, they have autism, it's just a delayed development. They will still pick their speech later in life. Maybe by three and a half. You see some children they didn't really talk well until they are three and a half. So like firstborns, some firstborns don't don't talk early enough because they didn't have other <laughs> children. Yeah, true <laughs> that. I have noticed so, it. They're like elaborate. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so if you are waiting for a child to talk and you didn't actually we're not talking with him or her. And you're saying ah, I has autism or something. So you just need to take your time and be patient with the child. And mm. then autism is lifelong. It's so lifelong. If a child has autism, yes, it is lifelong. It has no cure, but it is not a disease. Yes. So it, is it, a typical child with autism looks just like a typical child. There's no so why it is difficult to diagnose is because there is no physical feature. Mm. So you can't say you see a child physically and say the child has autism. So it's very difficult. So you just see a very handsome child, very beautiful child. Until they start behaving maybe against the norm, you now begin to say, okay, perhaps there might be this condition and all that. However, people outgrow, you can outgrow the symptoms and the signs. So I have mm. autistic um, advocates, you have adults who advocate for autism, that's because they've outgrown it. So mm. as children, they tell you how they really stress their parents as children and all that, but because of therapy. So we always say early intervention is key. And it's why from two or three years, even if you don't, you're praying that your child should not have autism, just go for a checkup if you are beginning to see delays in some domains of development so that you are sure that, okay, this child is absolutely normal hmm. and all. But when you outgrow the symptom, is it not the same as you getting cured of it? Ah, outgrowing does not mean getting cured. It just means that they've learned to manage it. Ah. <laughs> they've learned to manage some. So you might see some a little thing. You might see some little signs. For instance, mm. a child, a highly functioning child, might tell you that might talk well, might do everything right, but maybe it's only social issue that he has, or maybe um, lack of eye contact. He may mm. never be able to keep the eye contact to him um, all his life. 
but you would do a better time. You not notice that this person has had autism or something, or even has is a person living with autism, because it's just minute. It's just the eye contact that is left and all that. So mm-hmm. he has outgrown all that things, but might not still be able to keep an eye contact. Interesting. So, so that that means we should not judge people who are who you feel oh they are just doing this or they are just being weird or something like that because yes. you never know what it yeah. is that they are dealing with yes or some maybe with light when they were much younger they would usually scream but they've learned to find their way so they have to just avoid this is where they have bright lights or they mm. use um, photochromic lens that will not make them so they just find their way around it so it's not like they, it, it has a cure it's been cured no but they've outgrown some symptoms they've learned to handle themselves better and it's why therapy is important therapy helps them to manage themselves better as they grow older you know when you mentioned uh photosensitivity just now i just <laughs> i thought of something quite funny <laughs> i am very photosensitive yes and it has been like that since i think since secondary school but i never really paid attention to it and in my mind i'm like wait am i autistic <laughs> but like yeah i do this thing too Mm. Like a parent was saying, his child tiptoes because some children with autism also tiptoe because mm. their brain is not telling them that they put their, their feet on the ground. So, what wow. the brain, I said again, is a different brain wiring. The brain is saying them to tiptoe as the way they can walk. So, mm. a particular father was worried that his child was tiptoeing, he's not putting his legs down. Over time, at three, three and a half, began to put his legs down and all mm. that. <laughs> so, you might just see some of those things, but some children will just outgrow it. Some would not, and we would need more intervention to outgrow those things. Yeah, we, sh- we certainly do because it's when you were breaking it down, how it is not just an advocate that can, or not just anybody that can diagnose this thing. All I could think about is how it is cost effect intensive, rather, because it means you have at least three people on the team that will be involved in this thing. And it sounds, you know, how Africans will generally say some things are rich man's disease or rich man's condition or disorder. <laughs> Yes. because this is this is serious so how do you get to the lower class to be aware of these things because i am sure this thing is not limited to the rich how do you let them and you know you already mentioned how people or this thing can a- affect or come into place because of long prolonged delivery or prolonged uh, what's the word now birth yes. or something like that so Labor. yes I, we know that that's one of the things that happened during or for in lower class people sorry to say and besides that there were a lot of things that they consume when they are pregnant all the herbs and the concoctions and yes. all that i am sure that it can affect the growth or the congenital formation or whatever english right now that i can't seem to put my hands on so my question is <laughs> how do we get the people in the lower class or people even in the high class that are not enlightened about this thing how do we get them to understand it and most importantly know that it is not like something is terribly wrong with your child okay so what we do at um at the autism awareness foundation where um i am the lead volunteer there like i always like to say Mm. so um what we do is we raise awareness and that's why we keep raising awareness but people people still don't know about it and what we, we do, we raise this awareness in, in communities where information, there's, uh, they are hard to get, hard to reach communities. 
like those places where we know that information doesn't really get to them. So what we do, we just do some walks and go house to house awareness. So you must have seen a child like this and that, and then we give them our number. You can call. So you can just advise. There's some home therapies you can still do because what, like we always say, the parents are the are the first um, form of therapy to any child. The mm. family environment is very important. So we feel that these children are not communicating, but they see things. They see everything. They're actually aware of the environment and they see who likes them. They see who cares about them and all that. Mm. So the family treats them um, anyhow. They will also behave anyhow. So the way they will know how to behave is the way the family treats them. And when they see who loves them, they open up to them. So it's why we tell them, first of all, accept this child. So even if you don't know what condition it is, accept the child and you can always reach out to us. We have people who can always speak in almost every language in Nigeria. Actually, when we go for our works, we have Yoruba, Pijin, and Hausa mm. and all that, so that we can relate to them in their own language. So mm. when you need help, we can call you. So even if you cannot afford a therapy, because it's actually very expensive. It is yeah. very expensive. And we will not blame, because these people have gone to school to go and learn about all these things and all that. So you can't say they do therapy for free. But then there's some little um, things you can do at home to still help the child. For instance, um, because of the brain functioning, some some children with autism have issues um, with their pincer um, grip. Like they don't know how to hold things because the brain, you know, everything again is controlled by the brain. So yeah. they don't know how to hold the pencils. And so some parents say, I mean, my child can't write and all that. So for instance, maybe at home for a low, um, someone in the lower class that does not know that okay, this child. Um, cannot hold things. I just feel that he's being lazy or being stubborn. We can now begin to tell them, okay, so just try to make some household chores um, more favorable to them or make it friendlier. Maybe you want to pick beans at home. Okay, go and pick with them. Tell them to use their finger. It might be difficult at first, but show them how to pick it. Hold their hands to pick it one by one. That's an exercise, a finger exercise they can do. Picking of beans or the, the way do that we all cook. The way to the way you can hold because the way you make it, your your thumb and your um, what's the other finger? I had a thumb. They are going to always collide. That's the way you can work on the fingers also. So those are little home home therapies that are not things that you will get outside, but you can also work. And professional therapists will find better ways to work with the child if the parent can pay. But the parent cannot pay. We have to start thinking of different things to make the parents want to teach the child until they can afford the therapy. And then we also do free um, therapy outreach. The organizations that do it. So even if we cannot do it in our organization, we refer them. Whenever there's a free therapy outreach, they get to see audiologists, physiotherapists, and all that for free. I know of an organization that does that, and they do it for free every year. So at least there's a time of the year when parents can get help and get expert advice on how they can take care of their children. So it's yeah. just the little thing we can do until we have a government that supports um, disability advocacy and all that. Well, okay. currently... Federal government, not state government. Um, some states are trying, but we yes. need, at the federal level, we need the inclusion to be like, everybody should start speaking inclusion at the federal level also. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, you know, when you mentioned a government that supports your disability inclusion, I was just about to say the Lagos State government has Lagos State government. Hand. Yes, but yeah. Lagos is not the only state in Nigeria. We still have about 35. Right. So, yes, that's very important. That it comes from the 
federal level thank you so much we're running out of time i am really really grateful for this because i myself have learned a lot so now if people want to follow up or if people want more information on these or they want to reach out to your organization and with all the interventions that you can help them with how can they do that okay so we are um the autism awareness foundation across okay. social media so c-a-a-f tough ng so on instagram we are at autism tough energy or on my personal um page also my personal handle is priska chica on just type priska chica on google google bring us <laughs> all my details <laughs> okay and then the autism awareness foundation on facebook mm. or at autism tough underscore ng on instagram all right and recently, I actually developed an app that connects because you know that it's hard to get to these parents. Some parents cannot afford therapy, the high yes. um, pain therapy. But some therapists actually are willing to give um, um, therapy at reduced amounts. And it's why we came up with an app, TheraConnect, hmm. um, to link therapists with parents close to them. So we know that they're many therapists, but parents don't even know how to get to them. So you haven't been someone in your area, they're staying somewhere in Gagada and you feel that. So Gagada is even high class. That's overall. And you don't know who which therapist to meet at Uru. So the app just makes it easy to meet someone close to you that will not charge extra for transportation and will still be able to give your child a therapy. Um, maybe if it's only one day we can pay for therapy. You know it's going a long way in the child's life. Then just leaving the child alone. All right, then. Thank you so, so much. Uh, I hope that we get to have a part two of this conversation because I feel there are a lot of things that have not been fully touched on. It's very interesting, or maybe you have made it more interesting. And for that, I am thankful. All right, then. So this brings me to the end of this podcast episode again. Thank you, Priska, for joining me today. I do appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I was hoping for that part. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Do come back next week for another episode and please take care of yourself very much. Coronavirus is still out there. Even if you've gotten your vaccine, you should still definitely protect yourself because not everybody has gotten there. So take care of yourself, people. Do the necessary. We need to have those health hygiene or the hygienic habits that we have been able to inculcate as a result of the pandemic. We need them to prevent all that diseases out there. So please take care of yourself. Again, my name is Oluwa Shewolushegun. You can reach out across all social media platforms at oluwashewolushegun. And if you have a question or a feedback concerning this episode or more episodes of this podcast, you can always reach out on Instagram to at healthandjara. And I will definitely be willing to take your comments or your questions, your suggestions, whatever it is. I am here for that. Or for collaborations and all that, I am here. Just send a mail to at health, no healthandjara at gmail.com again healthandjara at gmail.com i'll be back next week until then please take care of yourself bye